Oh man, Matt, I am absolutely exhausted. I just spent three hours on a Zoom call. It was a Zoom Seder, but it was my family, so it was still a little exhausting. I have to say, the harosa you made was pretty delicious. But if that wasn't enough to pick you up, I think I have something that will. From 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Elijah. <laughs> that was pretty good. So, Hagsameach. Hagsameach. Happy, happy Passover. Happy Passover. So, Adam, what are you doing for Passover this year? I got three satyrs. They are not back-to-back, thankfully. And for I'm hoping over the course of the week, I will prepare every t- traditional Pesach uh, you know, meal item, but I'm not doing it all at once. So, for example, tonight I did brisket and haroset. I had some parsley. I had some horseradish. Taking it slow, slow start. But later in the week, hoping to do some lamb, hoping to put together some boiled eggs, you know, that uh, slow but steady, cover all the bases over the course of the week. No need to rush it. And I'm just one person. So making it all would be insane. Absolutely. Well, it's fitting you said that because our show tonight is all about food. Our guest is going to talk about food. He is a bread baker and pizza maker who hails from the great state of Massachusetts, specifically the western part of that state. We're really excited to talk to him. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing, Adam. So you said you made brisket today. How did you make that brisket? As a vegetarian, I will say it smelled very good. I used a, an old family recipe. Um, my mom took a photo from her handwritten recipe notebook and sent it to me and my sister. And she dropped off some brisket the other day when she dropped off the soil. So brisket in the tin foil with a sauce I made out of chili sauce, which is kind of like a sweet ketchup chili sauce, some sriracha, some Worcestershire sauce, some sugar. Um, and then added some onions on top of that, sealed it up in the tinfoil, three hours at 350, and then for the last 30 minutes, uncover it and dump in some parboiled carrots, and uh, that's about it. And it becomes, then take the drippings, obviously, and turn that into a gravy with some flour. Um, But yeah, it turned out really well. It was not nearly as good as when my grandma makes it or when my mom makes it, but it was good. I was very happy with it, and it was delicious, so it all worked out. And did other folks in your Seder, well, first of all, how many people were in your Seder? I think we maxed out at 21 different people visible on the Zoom. Wow. So did everyone also make the same things, or was it sort of, you know, one person's got some roasted, one person's got a roast, one person's just eating out of a box of matzah? So it was mixed. We had the people on the West Coast who obviously weren't ready for dinner, right? Because it was 3 p.m. when we started. And we skipped actually eating. We just went through the whole service. Then we said grace. Then we continued the after service. So it wasn't until maybe half the people had dropped that people stayed on the Zoom and started eating. And that's when the people who had not made lamb got very jealous of everyone who had made lamb. Mm. So tell me, what are you doing... For Pesach, are you keeping kosher? Have we cleaned out the house of anything that might be leavened? 
What are we doing on that front? I'm, I'm treating Passover as a time to reflect and be with family. I don't think that I need to only eat unleavened things in order to do that. So I'm, teach, I'm really leaning into the cultural Judaism here. Mm, well, I think we're very much aligned in that sense. So there's someone that I'm really excited to have on the show who knows all about all things leavened. I think we should give him a call. Rafi Bildner, the owner of Hilltown Hot Pies, and honestly, the best pizza maker I think I have ever met. His pizzas are absolutely incredible. You can follow him on Instagram at Hilltown Hot Pies. I think we should give him a call. Absolutely. No better time to talk leaven than right now. Hello. Hey, Rafi. Welcome to Coronapod. It is such an honor and a privilege to be on this uh, beautiful podcast that you guys are doing. <laughs> well, we're we're honored. We're honored to have you. So, Ravi, you're the owner of Hilltown Hot Pies. You're a pizza maker. You're a bread maker. But tell our listeners a little bit about what you do exactly. Sure, sure. Well, that's uh, that, that's so kind of you uh, for that introduction. Uh, I'm so lucky to have you and your partner uh, at one of my pop ups this summer uh, in August up here in Western Mass. So I would. Glad you got to experience the, the magic of naturally loving pizza uh, in a beautiful place in person. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, I uh, it's been a, I'll, I'll spare the listeners the, the long neurotic saga, but it's been a, a journey to, to, that has led me to this point. Basically, uh, you know, we graduated uh, the same year from, from college and since then I've dabbled in the political campaign world, which is a lot of what I did in college and, and farming and agriculture and outdoor guiding and all these different things. But the one thread that's remained uh, consistent has really been this this uh, this joy that I find in, in working with my hands and creating food for other people, uh, bread baking, pizza making, um, and, and and breaking bread with others. And that led me to literally actually a year ago, almost to the day, move out to San Francisco to uh, really dive in professionally into the pizza and baking world and work for some restaurant tours there. And then kind of got into my own pop up thing and. As of basically this fall, uh, went full on into uh, do yeah, starting my own little cottage bakery pizza operation, as I call it, Hilltown Hot Pies, uh, and roaming around uh, the Bay Area. Um, well, first here in Western Mass in the summer, and then the Bay Area uh, with my little mobile pizza oven, slinging uh, naturally eleven sourdough pies and doing catering events and pop ups at breweries and people's homes and beaches and yada yada and. Now that is all on hold with uh, COVID, so uh, we shall see where it goes next. But I'm uh, trying to bring bring that joy of breaking pizza with each other to to folks virtually is my move right now. Definitely. Well, I I will say your pizzas are absolutely incredible, and I still remember enjoying an incredible, I think it was a peach and blue cheese pie uh, on a beautiful summer's evening in western Massachusetts. Before we, before we talk about coronavirus and its, its impact on the food industry, though, maybe it would be great for our listeners, just so they can really taste the kind of things that you're making. What are, what are some of the pizzas that you make that you're particularly passionate about? Uh, that's, uh, I, I, I'm would love to uh, give give your 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 audience out there a little uh, virtual uh, uh, 
uh, pizza ASMR, if we will. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, my favorite things, uh, uh, whether on Instagram or in person, is experience explaining explaining my pies. And um, I think the, the premise, first I'll say, the, the base of my pizza making is the art of, of um, wild fermentation, harnessing the natural uh, wild yeasts that are just floating all around us and healthy, helpful bacteria, uh, channeling those through a, a culture, sourdough starter, 11, and uh, and, and creating a, a, a pizza out of that that has some complex flavors, is digestible, is, is really a fermented, fermented product. Um, that then is a canvas uh, upon which to highlight what I like to say is wild yeasted pizzas in wild places. So if I'm on a beach in, in Marin County, California, I'm um, you know using uh, a, a product that, that is, uh, for example, I did an event where I had fresh crab that a friend had just caught right out of the ocean. We did a crab pie with some uh, pickled veggies and a little creme fraiche on, or if I'm in Western Mass doing a, as you experienced, a summer pie with peaches right off of a, uh, an orchard near here, some local goat cheese and blue cheese. Um, so I just, it's an amazing canvas to highlight the uh, the producers in an area, the craftspeople around you, and uh, paint a picture with food. You you talked about using. Right, the, the natural leaven, meaning you're not using store-bought yeast, your yeast is from your starter. When you're on the West Coast versus the East Coast, do you bring your East Coast starter to the West Coast, or do you create a new starter with West Coast bacteria? Or am I completely crazy and the bacteria is the same in both places? No, it's, it's, it's an it's a, uh, interesting point. It, I, so I do travel with my, my starter, as the Italians call it, and um, I... Uh, I have no Italian blood in me, but you know I do like to think uh, us uh, Jews and Italians are very similar in our love of food and crazy expression and neurotic families. Uh, so I will just use the Italian expression, the levito madre, the, the living mother, as they call their their sourdough cultures, because it really is a a living being that you tend to over time. And I do travel with it all over. I brought it to the Middle East when I uh, uh, been on some bike guiding work out there. Um, you pack it in a little Ziploc bag and wrap it in some tape and then hope that the uh, Israeli Border Patrol um, doesn't think suspiciously upon a strange, you know, viscous liquid in your bag, uh, <laughs> and, uh, which is, is uh, very suspicious to them. But it, I, I'll say this, the shorter changes, but it... Um, you know, they've done a lot of, there's plenty of actual scientific laboratory research on this. The, the core bacteria and yeast are the same strains, um, but what it really does change is if you're, like in a place like San Francisco that is generally cool, is the air is usually quite moist um, and foggy, you get this fermentation that is a lot longer because you can leave your dough out at this room temp, uh, which is around 60-something degrees often, That whereas in the New England summer, it could spike to 90, 100 degrees and and you 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 just get a very you can get a very uh, chaotic fermentation. So the starter is always they say the starter absorbs the last thirty days worth of bacteria. So if I'm in you know people say oh my starter is a hundred years old and it's from rural Alaska you know yada yada. None of the actual bacteria from Alaska are in there if their starter, you know, is with them today. Um, but it is true that the starter actually responds to the environment that you're in. So speaking of coasts, Rafi, you were on the West Coast before our current coronavirus crisis. 
you were making food for people. Now you're back east. Yeah. What's happened to the food business and and your work in particular as a result of coronavirus? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's uh, it's been such an interesting thing to see. I mean, I, you know, of course, of course, all of us, whatever field we're in, or, or, or you know, or, or whatever our lives are, are occupied by, it's all been dramatically changed, no matter what. Um, it, it, you know, in the food world, I've seen let's say three three different routes that that I've seen people take or, or be forced to take. One is that you know they're just complete. There's no way that they can com- uh, continue on with their current um, situation. Whether that's because of you know government uh, uh, you know um, regulations that that uh, for for the good of our public health uh, or just financially not viable, the second is they kind of like you know make a pivot a Michelin you know two Michelin star restaurant in San Francisco or Seattle that is now doing takeout burgers and they kind of make it work. Um, or the third, you know, there are some folks who like. Uh, you know, I've always been doing heavy takeout and, and delivery. And um, there's some pizza places actually that, that, you know, delivery and takeout was always a big part of what they did. And so, so they're able to, they're still suffering, but they're able to, you know, make somewhat of a, a na- more natural pivot. You know, someone like me, what, what I, what's been really interesting, I think I am just a tiny, tiny, tiny case study of your kind of aspiring food entrepreneurs out there, which there are so many of who, whether they're doing the pop-up rounds, they have a small food truck, uh, they do the farmer's market scenes, you know, which in a city like San Francisco, some bakers, that's all they do is just take their bread or their mobile pizza oven to, uh, you know, three, four farmer's markets each week, or they go to wineries or whatever it is. And, and that, uh, that niche kind of like, you know, um, uh, you know, more experimental or, or more off the grid kind of food scene, which I would say I was part of, is just there's no way to, to, to do what can you do now. I mean, I, I did so basically I briefly I was working out of a kind of commercial uh, kitchen space or restaurant in San Francisco that was mostly actually it was a catering space. So they rarely I could work in their kitchen space quite often and do prep for my events. Uh, they actually had a pizza oven there, so sometimes I'd hold events and, and do catering there. Um, you know, I thought I, I, I of maybe doing some delivery out of there, or, um, some, some maybe one one or two times a week takeout, and then just the margins wouldn't be good enough. There'd be no way to keep it going. So, so you know, I think we're in this point. I'm someone like me who was actively, let's say, in the next six months looking to open a probably a brick and mortar or really kind of move that dream along. Um, uh, for me, that was probably going to be New England back home in this area and now I'm just in this very much this holding pattern where you know if I was gonna it's just not even possible to even talk about you know raising money to open a restaurant or looking I mean just it's, it's obviously completely out of the out of the picture right now so uh, it's interesting I, I'm thinking a lot about folks like me who are who are like in this kind of in between phase or or you know they have a you know a coffee cart or a burrito cart and it's just like there are so many thousands and thousands of people who like that who cannot move their food dreams forward at this point. I'll say on the quick, yeah, to, to kind of firmly answer your question, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to use this time now to you know, continue thinking about my next steps. I'm grateful, beyond grateful and blessed. I have a roof over my head and food on my table and a beautiful family uh, uh, to come home to, to in this in-between time back, back east. But I'm just thinking about my next steps and trying to do what I can to educate people virtually over my Instagram and 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 uh, online channels and, and and share the love of food and and, uh, and kind of build a brand and, and share share my skills with others. But it's it's a weird time. It's, I feel like I'm in a very strange holding pattern. So let's let's talk about 
that the education that you're doing, I've been amazed by your Instagram presence, the Instagram live things you've done. What are you doing to sort of keep your, um, keep your brand and, and keep your work going even when you're in this really challenging period of uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, I'm, as I said, debated doing a few different things. From from kind of the, the my initial gut to like try to do some sort of delivery thing or, or take up thing, I just was like, you know, it's not worth it um, uh, and financially not viable. I realized, listen, I'm in this, I'm in this beautiful, you know, grateful uh i'm in this position of, of deep gratitude where i have i do have a home being back home with my parents now and like like many millennials and and uh and and uh, being able to both help them out and, and and be in their company and so i thought you know what listen I, I, why not use this time to try to bring a little joy to others um via these these channels like instagram it's been so so um freaking inspiring to see so many people i think like in your apartment uh dabbling with whether bread baking or just more cooking or frankly even just just you know uh diving into making a perfect omelet or so i mean there's just like so many people who are experiencing the joy of working with their hands and creating food for themselves and their loved ones uh for the first time um and so uh for, so as you alluded to i did this instagram live um i've done a few of them so far kind of a virtual pizza party making class uh and then a sourdough 101 i just recorded a bunch of content today to put up some actual tutorials on my Instagram page um, uh, on, on the processes of bread making and sourdough pizza making, and and then the and, and that's been just I've been blown away by the by the response. I've been so grateful, and you know, there's a million different YouTube videos already out there that are pre 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 COVID era on how to make sourdough bread and you know beautiful uh, high production value stuff. But I'm finding that there's something really special about like my friends and my greater community or people have bought pizzas for me in the past or I've catered events for them have been super eager to like learn from me and, and see what I'm doing um, and I, I think it, it shows well there, there's just this great effort on, in so many realms in our country now to, to support craftspeople um, who are out of work now or who are you know having to go on hiatus and I've just been so grateful for people tuning into the lives and, and asking I'm getting I'm getting more direct messages, which is a very low number, let me clarify, but I'm getting more direct messages on Hilltown Hot Buys Instagram account than ever before. People asking questions about how to maintain a starter, sending me pictures of the pizzas they're making, and I, I feel a deep sense of, of community here, and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I have to say, I've been really impressed by the community you've created. We have been doing a little bread baking here, I will say, more Adam than me, but we would love to use this brief opportunity to get a little bit of tactical advice from you. There are more first-time bread makers out there than ever before. If you are just getting into the bread making universe, you know what 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 do you need to do uh, to maybe not get it perfect, but at least get it a little closer to right. Uh, so so it, and I. I uh... I should say we're going to do a little, um, uh, Adam and I, and, and Matt, of course, welcome to join. Although knowing uh, the, the rigorous schedule, you keep, you're on your bike, you're on your bike trainer half the day, just getting ready for, for when we can <laughs> get out on that tarmac together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, so we'll, we'll be diving into this. And, and I, 
want to plug that I um, am going to uh, put this on my, my Instagram and really try to promote this as much as I can, but I really do want to offer one-on-one, you know, lessons, consultations, whatever you want to call it, hangouts, uh, whether you're eating on bread or pizza, anything uh, in the sourdough baking world, um, and, and really want to offer that as, as a service to folks out there, and I, I don't want any, uh, my, I'm not collecting any, uh, don't have to be paid at all to myself, I'm just, what I'm going to do is just ask people to donate a few bucks, whatever they're comfortable with, 5, 10, you know, 20, whatever you want, to uh, an organization started by a colleague of mine called Pizza vs. Pandemic, um, that is uh, both two things, not, you know, just knocking two things out of the park here, supporting local independent pizzerias, which I should say are the backbones of the American economy, and, uh, and uh, basically donating money to pizzerias so they can make pizzas for hospitals. Um, and there's thousands and thousands of pizzerias that are getting money through this and delivering countless pies to hungry hospital workers on the front line. So anyway, I'm psyched to offer one-on-one lessons and uh, hopefully raise a few bucks for Pizza vs. Pandemic, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll be putting that on my Insta. And, and what, I, what I would share in these one-on-one lessons is that the most important thing to realize is that fermentation especially when we talk about sourdough fermentation, gathering the wild yeast from the air and putting it into a sourdough starter. We're talking about the manipulation of time and temperature. So it's very hard to look at a recipe that you find online and just follow it to the T because your kitchen, uh, guys, where you are in New York, is going to be different than my kitchen here versus somewhere in Florida. Their temperature, the humidity, the environment. And so what I would encourage you is you have to, well, starting out, you're going to make a few loaves that are terrible, maybe even 10. I, I went through months and months of, of uh, really rough baking, but you realize that, oh, this time I didn't leave out the dough long enough. I, I just looked lo- the recipe said two hours, I did two hours, but my dough came out like a pancake in the oven. Oh, next time I'm going to try four hours. Oh, wow. I can see more bubbles. There's more carbon dioxide being produced by the fermentation. So you're constantly learning. It is a living being, this dough that you're creating. And remember that it changes every second. You're going to experiment. And for me, as someone uh, who has done a lot in my own life uh, with, with uh, anxiety and, 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 and stuff around uh, just having a very anxious mind, I, I find that working with dough like this is so therapeutic, so helpful. Because you're not in control. It teaches you to let go. You're not in control. The dough is telling you what it wants, whether it wants more time, more temperature. Um, and you're going to come out with some beautiful product at the end. Whether it's perfect or if you think it's bad, it's going to be tasty. You're going to learn from it. And But the beautiful thing is you learn to, to be comfortable and almost happy with not being in control. So that's, that's, that's the very philosophical advice I give. Yeah, I, I've definitely found that. I've made... I don't know, five loaves now. Some have been more equal than others, but they've all been delicious. And I'm so, you cannot learn. It's very hard to do this if you do it, you know, once a month on a weekend. But we are, you know, we are, by reasons outside of our control, we are in a position where if you want to make a loaf of bread every single day, you can. And if you, you can slowly learn. I have not learned that much, but, but I'm trying, so... You know, you're getting there, and, 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 and that's it. It's a practice, just like riding your bike, just like uh, uh, writing poetry. I mean, you just, you get that every time you feel the dough, you're like, oh, wow, that needs more gluten development. That's tighter. That's looser. And you just literally learn every time you put your, your hands to the dough. So, Ravi, 
we're coming to the end of our time, and we didn't get a chance to talk about cycling, so we're going to have to have you back on the show to talk about our other shared passion. But it is the first night of Pesach, and yes. as a man of leavened breads, we're wondering, what are you doing for Pesach? Are you eating your delicious pizza? Are you not eating your delicious pizza? Have you figured out how to make a pizza dough in less than 18 minutes? <laughs> I, so, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I am with, as I've alluded to said many times, I'm with, with, with my parents now who are more uh, observant than I am. Uh, uh, we are all very spiritually engaged with our Judaism, but they are definitely more observant, so they, it would be not appropriate for me to scarf down a loaf of bread or house a pie in the kitchen uh, for the next week. Um, but I, I actually, uh, well, one, I, I did come across this uh, sourdough matzah recipe that I'm going to try. We have a wood-burning oven, very small wood-burning oven here. So I am going to try to nail an 18-minute matzah. Um, so that's on the list, and we'll definitely do a, a, an Insta Live on that. But most importantly, I feel this calling to just, like, I have the skill that I want to share with my community in the, in, in the world, although uh, that makes it sound more grand than it is, but I have the skill I want to share. And so I, I actually, starting this weekend, I have some big, big bags of flour coming in uh, that I was able to get at a discounted price from a, a mill in the region here. And I'm going to uh, try to just uh, basically bake a bunch of loaves of bread um, for uh, folks in this community who, who might need a loaf. I, it feels like a very appropriate thing to do during Passover, uh, where I physically will not be eating the bread and abstain for a week. But I'm going to hopefully bake like 50 loaves this weekend in, in our little wood-fired oven and, just start probably once a week doing this and getting them to whether, you know, people, just anyone who, I don't care if they're having a bad day or financially they just can't afford to, to get a good loaf of bread now. I'm just going to try to, through word of mouth up here, get some, some bread to folks who, who, who could use it. Well, Ravi, you are a true mensch and an inspiration to us all. And oh. we cannot wait to uh, see your next Instagram live. I know Adam is on tenterhooks for his one-on-one <laughs> lesson. And I'm going to dream of the day when we can all be back together and uh, I can eat one of your delicious pies or, or loaves. Well, as we say, next year in Jerusalem, next year in your beautiful apartment, eating some pizza together, uh, together or up here in the Berkshires. And it's, uh, I can't wait to share in good company and good pizza with you both. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rafi. An honor. You guys are doing a great service with this pod and I, I, I'm honored to be on it. <laughs> we're, we're honored to have you. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, stay well and, and talk some air, as we say. You too. Happy Pesach. Bye. Bye, guys. What a mensch. Great guy. I, uh, you know, I feel like I'm slow. The thing is that we've talked a lot about how social media is like a positive force now, but on the internet, there are a million recipes for sourdough that it's really scary to just read some person you've never met before and try to follow their instructions. It's so much easier when you have someone who you know, have someone you have who you trust, who is guiding you along, and you can watch what you're doing, and you can ask questions. And, you know, people talk about how you can teach yourself anything on the internet, and that's true, but it's much faster if the person on the other side of the internet is, is someone who you know, and that community is really important now. I can't agree more. Well, to our dozens and dozens of listeners, follow Rafi, Hilltown Hot Pies on Instagram. You will not regret it. And when you do get a chance, when we're all back together, to go to wherever he is and have one of his delicious pies, I can't recommend it 
highly enough. So on that note, Adam, what do we have going on tomorrow? I don't know. More Zoom calls, more work, but we're safe, we're healthy, and I think that's enough. Very good. This has been Coronapod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat. <laughs>